Okay, let's get into the word of the Lord. I'd like to direct your attention tonight to 1 John chapter number 5. Not the Gospel of John, not 2 John, but 1 John chapter number 5. Hallelujah. Just love what I feel here tonight. This is this is going to be short, short and hopefully sweet. All right, First John chapter number five. Everybody got it? How about over here? Let's go to verse number eighteen. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. I'm going to read that verse again. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Then verse 19, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Before you're seated, I don't think there's probably a person here that has not heard about the tragedy that took place yesterday in Nashville of somebody going into a school and shooting three students and shooting three adults. I want to pray. I want to I want this congregation to pray for those grieving families. And I want us to pray for our nation. Would you help us tonight? Come on, let's lift our voice and let's pray. Come on, that's one thing we can do. We can pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. God, I pray for that grieving families. I pray to the God of all comfort that you would somehow be near, be close, and wrap your everlasting arms around those families. Oh, God, I pray in Jesus' name. And, Father, I pray for the direction of this nation. God, I pray for a genuine. Come on, lift your voice with me and pray. This is what we're, if we're called to do anything, we're called to pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, God, I pray for the direction of this nation that we have a genuine, genuine apostolic revival. And I ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight 
about the power of permission. The power of permission. I really don't intend to, um, to keep you too long tonight, but this is something that I felt like the Holy Ghost brought to me several weeks ago. And we need to talk about some things. Of course, the word permission means authorization. It means consent. It means approval. It means that permission has been granted. This is a critical verse in verse number 18. This is the same John, John the Beloved, and it's also John the Revelator, but he also wrote much that was profound and powerful. And he said, we know that who Soever is born of God sinneth not. That would be a contradiction if you were to go to chapter number one. If you still have your Bible open, let's just do this so it'll help me to explain this and bring some clarity to this. Look at verse number 8 of chapter 1 of 1 John. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody say amen. That is amazing. And then verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Well, when we look at chapter number 5 and verse number 18, there obviously there is an explanation that is required because whosoever is born of God sinneth not. This is not talking about from time to time doing a boo-boo. This is talking about where sin becomes a regular, daily, common practice. We have, been, we have been saved from past sins. We are empowered to live above present sin. Okay, I want to say that again. Once you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with, repented of your sins, baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, your past sins are gone. There, we're not going to require anybody to get up and start running or anything, but a little interaction. Just let me know you're awake, okay? Hallelujah. So my past sins are washed away. But present sins, what am I expected to do with those? We're given the power of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ, 
so we can live above sin. This is why it's important to pray. This is why it's important to fast. This is why it's important to live a, a spiritually led life, to, to cultivate a spiritually led life so that we do not practice sin. Okay, this is a very important distinction because we're living in a world that doesn't really have any spiritual aptitude and that, that could easily confuse them. That the Bible says that, you know, if we say we have not sinned, then we lie. Well, the Bible says here that, you know, we're not supposed to have any sins. And what this is talking about in 1 John chapter 5 is the fact that you're not living in an adulterous relationship. You're not living with some gross sin in your life that you practice every single day. You're scaring me. Y'all out there? Okay. The reason for this is, is because John uses this incredible word. He says, but he that is begotten, that is an incredible word, and it's used in a variety of applications. It's even used about talking about Jesus. But it literally is talking about those that have been regenerated. If you've been born again of the water and the spirit, and according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, you have received the divine nature, then you are begotten of the Father. So we have the resource, the supernatural resource from God to live above sin. I mean, there's just no excuses. It either comes down to the fact that you're, you're not really living this. You're not really trying. You're not praying. You're, you know, it's any number of things that would qualify you being born again but living in sin. Maybe you're just backslid. But I'm trying to describe all this so that you comprehend what I'm saying here. The apostle is saying that we know as an apostolic, as a saint of God, we know that whosoever is born of God does not live in sin. It doesn't mean every once in a while you don't have to ask God to forgive you. I've heard, the, I've heard several old-time preachers, and I don't say that disrespectfully, but old-time preachers say that we need to repent every day. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think that we ought to pray till we get to the place where that at least be, is, is an option to us if we need to. Let's continue to read here. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And notice this last phrase here. And that wicked one, of course, that's talking about our adversary, toucheth him not. Now, the word touch there means contact. 
not necessarily handling, but contact. But I began to do a word study on that word toucheth because it's very important, at least in this setting, and stay tuned, it literally means to attach. It means to attach yourself to somebody. Let me, let me talk about this verse and make it very plain. If you have sin in your life, you have given the adversary permission to attach himself to your life. One of the things that has grieved me in my spirit, and, and, and it's not a recent issue, it's, it's over 29 years of pastoring, I've had made a lot of observations and seen a few things, and I've seen people that can sit on a pew for years, years. They're part of the culture, they're part of, of they, they have a network of friends, they have they have, they've experienced the same revivals that everybody's experienced. They've experienced the same guest speakers with the dynamic power of the Holy Ghost, moves of the Holy Ghost, victory marches, prayer rooms, um, youth groups, whatever. And all of a sudden, it seems like they vanish. There were things going on that nobody knew about. It has to. It, it meant that in, in the private sector of their lives, there was an influence that they had given permission to. Nobody in their right mind, can I just be, can I just be very plain with this good congregation? Nobody in their right mind would even consider backsliding at the threshold of the Antichrist being revealed. Nobody in their right mind that can see what's really going on in, on the world stage with, with transgenderism and an absolute hatred over, over truth and people becoming reprobate by, by the millions. Nobody that can calculate all that in their right mind would say, I, I think I'm just going to go ahead and backslide right now. I want to tell you, you're going to have to do it over the prayers of this pastor. You're going to have to do it over the revival of this church. You're going to have to do it over people that love you. You're going to have to do it over people that... I want us to lift your hands right now. I want us to pray for every single backslider. I am not saying this in a derogatory manner. I am not saying this in, uh, with, a, with a sneer on my face. Or, or shame, shaming anybody. But I am telling you that people become blinded. They become double-minded by the authority of the name of Jesus. God, I pray that the truth of the living God that they once understood, they once embraced, they once confessed, they once professed. Come on, lift your voice with me. Let's pray right now. My God, I, I don't want to lose one more person. I don't want to see one more person have something go on in their private life where the enemy attaches and begins to lie to them and make them think that sin is better than righteousness.
already, you've already opened your life. There's, there's already an attachment there. Because sin is what gives the devil permission. Go to that scripture, if you would, uh, Brother Andrew, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 2. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. When you, when you start disobeying what you know is true, there is an influence at work. No, you, you can sit there and, and act like you don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to tell you, I'm cutting through all this tonight because I'm, re I'm, I'm reaching. I'm going to run the devil out of here to where this group of people is really living for God. You're living for God when nobody's watching. You're living for God where nobody knows where that liquor store is. You're living for God when you flip your computer on. You're living for... It's time to run the devil out of this place. Come on, somebody, lift your voice. Let's give God the praise. Some of you guys that can't stay away from internet pornography, the devil's got a foothold in your life. And he plays the long game. You may be seated. I got to talk. I got to talk. He's playing the long game. He'll let you sit there. I've seen people, I've seen people that I knew the day they were born, the devil will play the long game. And he'll let you sit there a long time knowing, knowing that you ain't right. Oh, he plays the long game. He begged for Peter ever since Peter got those keys. When Peter started getting spiritual stuff, the devil started asking for him. Don't, don't come and tell me, Pastor, I feel like I'm called to preach, and you, you, you can't pray your way out of a wet paper bag. You won't even show up for special prayer. You won't even teach a Bible study. You won't even bring people to church. But you, Don't tell me that stuff. The minute you try to get spiritual, the devil said, that's the one I want right there. When he walked on water, the devil ramped it up. That word, that word that is used in Luke chapter number 22, I believe, where it says that Satan has desired is the same word that's used for prayer. Satan prayed, please let me have Peter. I'm begging you. I'm asking you, please let me have him. Please let me, let me prove where he's really at. Please. It was in the latter part of the ministry of Jesus because the devil prayed the long game. Samson lost his eyes in the long game. It was just the right harlot. It was just the right situation. He had violated so much of his, of his Nazarite vow. He, he had messed around. He had messed around. And the devil said, no, I got it. The devil played the long game. 
I'll tell you what I want us to do. I want us all over this building, I want us to lift our hands. I've got to get through your religious armor right now that does not take stuff like this. If you're not paying your tithes, you are under a curse. Let's quit playing around that. You are a cursed person. You're not going to be blessed. Quit trying to convince yourself that you're blessed and you're okay. I'm telling you tonight, as the man of God, you're cursed. I'm not saying I hate you. I love you. But it's not my life. It's your life. And if you're not going to be financially responsible to the Word of God first and foremost, let's quit playing around about it and say, and say, God, I, I'm going to get back to obedience. I don't want that spirit of disobedience. I've let myself off the hook. I've gotten sloppy over here. I've gotten just plain lazy over here. And I'm wanting everybody to think it's okay. But the devil knows exactly where you are, and he's playing the long game. You act like everything's fine. And if anybody says anything, I'm saying it tonight. The Bible said you are cursed with a curse. It doesn't mean God's going to kill you. It just means that you ain't going to have two nickels to rub together before it's over. And the stuff you do, God, is going to be eaten of the palm of worm. I'm not trying to be negative tonight. But you know what? Old-time teaching... Elder and sister sergeant, you know what built healthy apostolic churches in your generation when you were in your prime? It wasn't some slick preacher. It was old-time teaching and people that lived it and people that prayed it and people that believed it. And God made Cornerstone an old-time apostolic church where we live it, we believe it. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise right now. Don't go crying to your wife and to everybody else because of this going on. No, there's a spirit of disobedience at work. And the enemy's got a foothold in your life. And he's playing the long game. He played the long game with King Saul. said, sooner or later, this guy's going to reject the prophet. So God said, well, I reject you. Because you rejected me, I'm rejecting you. Joab with his horns off the altar. The only, the only flaw in your life that this altar cannot fix is disloyalty. Joab, Joab failed to go after Absalom. But he went after Adonijah, and that's when the king said, he dies. The devil played the long game. At the latter part of his life, David's on his He said, make sure you take care of Joab. That wasn't in his prime. That wasn't in his youth. That's when Joab was an older person. And he died with his hands on the altar, but the altar didn't save him. Pastor, I, I, I don't even feel the devil. Dude, I feel that I feel that old spirit just about every day. Every other day I feel some thought come through. Some scenario right in front of me, some situation. 
and because because I, I try to I try to maintain a certain level of being in tune. I can see it for what it is. But the devil's playing the long game. We got he's got us out here. We got God's we're, we got this building. We got stuff going on. Now the devil's going to start pulling this one up and pulling that one up. No 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 no. You got a pastor that's going after that spirit tonight. If you don't get your commitment where it's supposed to be according to that Bible, you ain't going to be here next year. God's going to have somebody else sitting in that plate. God's going to have another family sitting on that pew. I don't know what it's like to just sit back. I've never been that in 40 years of being saved. I'm just not geared that way. I got too much God. When I got the Holy Ghost, I really got it. I was really begotten of God. And that meant my flesh became my enemy. The world became my enemy. And an invisible agency that's trying to get me to commit fornication or just have the lust of the eye towards every woman that walks through this building. You ought, to, you ought to draw a line and say, you know what, I'm thanking God for this pastor tonight that's saying he's not going to let me become a statistic that once, once I was on the platform, but now I'm on a bar stool. Now I'm on my way to hell. My God, I need a mom and dad to get upset and get something in your gizzard that says you're not getting my babies I'll just sit back, take it easy, play it. Now when it comes to this stuff, he's playing the long game. He'll play the long game. Man, I see, when I see people that have lived for God and been married for 20, 25, 30, 35 years, 40 years, and all of a sudden they're talking about getting a divorce, there's a spirit involved. I rebuke that spirit. That heartbreaking, homebreaking spirit by the authority of a God that's greater. Clap your hands with us and let's give God the praise. Come on, chase him out of your backyard. Chase him out of your complacency and ability to excuse yourself from everything. I'm saying, I'm preaching this. Not to hurt. I'm, I'm preaching this to save people. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, there are people that the spirit world is already saying, I, I know right where they're at. I got them right where I want them. I'm going to wait till they're a Sunday school teacher. I'm going to wait till they're connected to other people. I'm going to wait till they're on the platform. I'm going to wait till they're da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and then I'm going to pull that string. And it's going to hurt a lot of people, and maybe a lot of people will backslide. Maybe I can get more people out of this. You don't think it's that real? Brother, you better understand what this book is saying, that if you've got sin in your life and you're living in sin, then you have given permission to the enemy of your soul that is just plotting his course. I'm running him out of this place. I know I've said it before. Help me preach today. Help me preach. From where you're I know you're tired. I know you've worked all day. But there should be something in you that says, my God, this is truth. This is from another world. 
This man is not trying to hurt me. This man's trying to save me. Let's lift our hands and just pray. God strengthen with supernatural resolve and conviction every heart, every mind, every life, every child, every parent, every adult. Just telling you. I'm first generation, but I've seen a few things. When you see a tragedy like that, let that be a lesson to you. That is the second dimension of wisdom. The first dimension of wisdom is doing it just because God said to do it. But in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 6, I believe it talks about a young man void of understanding. When you see somebody else winding that road on their way to hell, that should be a lesson to you. That second dimension of wisdom is watching the effects of this on somebody else's life. Third dimension is learning from your own mistakes. Peter, David, your mistakes... You are not going to be lost over your mistakes if you get the sin out. If you really repent and you really say, I'm not going back to that, I'm not touching that, I'm not doing that ever again because I don't like what it does. It separates me from God, separates me from the flow of the Spirit, separates me, it makes me, it, it, it makes me counterfeit, it makes me fraudulent, makes me a fake and a phony. got some weaknesses and I've given into them from time to time. Welcome home. There's, there's enough room in the farm for you. Is there anybody that has not given into their weaknesses from time to time? That's why the Bible said abstain from fornication. The first dimension is just for you to say, I ain't doing that. It still has influence in you. You can still feel the motions of sin at work in you. And we are in a culture of pornography. It's on billboards. It's everywhere. They've got these. I was, I was somewhere. I don't know. I was in another state. And they said, we have topless Tuesday. If I, if I would have seen some of you guys pull up to that place, I'd have come out with my axe, to, my axe and my 238. You, my God, go to Starbucks. Don't go to Topless Tuesday's Barista. You can go ahead and laugh. That's, that's funny. The first dimension of you resisting those impulses in your life 
is by saying, I ain't doing that no more. How do you know you've repented? You've got to be tempted. You have to be tempted in order to prove that you've repented. Because repentance says, you know what? Um, I, there might be something in me that wants to do that, but there's a spirit in me. There, my, my mind is saying no. My heart is saying no. My, I wish some of you'd come to church right now. I'm preaching right where some of you live. Click off that computer and say, I ain't touching that computer again. Well, I got to have it. No, you ain't got to have nothing except the Holy Ghost and a good praying through. But abstaining doesn't say anything about the impulses that may be raging in your life. But it does say that you've now taken God's side. I'm doing that. If you'll stick with it, you won't not only abstain, you'll have the victory over that area that was at one time a weakness. Now you ain't even looking. You don't even phase you. Devil, you're going to have to get up with something else because I got the victory, and you know I got the victory. I'm trying to make it real plain for somebody. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give God the praise. The power of permission. You might look good. You might fool a lot of people. But I'm here to try to rescue you. The devil is playing the long game. He's waiting for you to make a big mistake. You may be seated. I ain't close to being done. You got all night. Isn't that right, Brother Pyatt? Brother Pyatt's at the age I'm just having fun. I've been pastoring this man a long time. We've gone round and round and round, haven't we, brother? I never gave up on you. I won't give up on anybody if I think you're trying. But if you're waiting till you turn 18, so you can thumb your nose at your parents and you can disgrace because you're playing around on some social media with a bunch of people that are unregenerated that are telling you that that's really where life is. Getting AIDS is really where life is and, and living that lifestyle is really where it's at and just doing whatever you want to do. Honey, that ain't life. That's dying. That is bondage. That is in chains. That is in the prison. Freedom is saying, I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to go and take a lap. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to thank God. That's what freedom is. You, you sin in secret. And you've got an attachment in your life with the spirit world, but it ain't with God. And I'm going to tell you, whatever it takes to extricate yourself out of the clutches of that, if you'll just take one step in God's direction, I promise you God will respond. 
You may not feel everything you want to feel, but you're going to start feeling a whole lot better about yourself. And that's going to that's going to mean you can go to you can go to bed at night. You're not going to you're not wringing your hands with shame and condemnation and fear. I thought you was trying to build the church. Sit down and shut up, Judas. You can't have a church that don't believe this stuff. You got a crowd. I don't care if they sing good. I don't care if they look good. I don't care if they dress good. I don't care if they got money. I don't care if they got influence. If you ain't living right, stay off that platform. If you ain't living right, stay out of that department. If you ain't living right, get into this altar and get it right. We're going to be for you. We're going to be with you. We're on your side. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. The power of permission. How I address this young couple, this young family tonight is the absolute truth. It's not what you do here that is going to make you blessed to God. It's how you really live. But nobody that your kids and your wife can see. Shutting the door to the permission that you granted. I want to tell you what, it's hard to climb. It's easy to fall. It's hard to get to the next level in the spirit. But it's easy to throw everything away and just one careless act, one careless decision, one The good news is, is you can pray, and God will respond, and his hair began to grow again. Only this time it didn't come back like the wing of a raven. It was black, the black hair of his youth, but it came in, came out with gray, salt and pepper, because Samson now is a lot older. See, Cornerstone is not just, I'm very qualified to say this because I've been, I've been the pastor of this incredible group of people. But it's not just about choir and all this stuff. You don't get this stuff unless you've been doing stuff right. I'm going to tell you what I felt like the Holy Ghost told me two days ago. We only moved 100 yards, but I feel like we just, we moved into another dimension. You want to know why? Because what God sees for the future of this church 
some of the lazy, backslid stuff that's been sitting in the pews is not going to make it to the next level. The next level, there's going to be the revival of the supernatural and the revival of the gifts of the Spirit and the revival of people praying through on the job and praying through. And it's not going to happen till God cleans it out. Because God sees us way up yonder. I'm preaching, I'm preaching to save. I'm not preaching to offend. I'm not preaching to hurt. I'm not preaching to, I'm preaching to save people. When your private life and your public life are in the same vein, the anointing will flow, doors will open. Go to that scripture, Brother Andrew, in Revelations chapter number 3. Let me talk to you about another type of permission. Well, can't God see I'm hurting? Can't God see I'm suffering? Yes, ladies and gentlemen. And unlike the adversary, He'll only come if he's been granted permission. But it doesn't mean he's not trying to reach for you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The enemy is a low life. You make one mistake. And it'll take you a week of fighting condemnation till you feel clean again. And the devil knows. That's why Peter had to work through that. And Jesus, Jesus put Peter out of his misery. Peter, do you love me? Yes. <laughs> One failure gone. Peter, do you still love me? Yes. <laughs> Second failure gone. Peter, do you still love me? That was Jesus. Coming to Peter's rescue. Satan said, let me have him. And I'll drive him away from you. Just like I did Judas. I'll drive him away from the promises of God. I'll drive him away from the keys. I'll drive him away from the revelation of the Christ. I'll drive him away from all that. And Peter wrestled with that. Even though he went out and wept. Every, every time he heard a cock crow, he said, oh. Oh. Reminder of what a lying, cussing preacher you really are. And when you didn't have to live on a farm to hear the rooster crow back in those days, they were running on cobblestone streets. Peter probably slept like this. Because every time that rooster would crow, oh, it would remind him when he, his eyes met his Lord. Hell, that that absolutely tore him in half. That he's a spineless, weak man. And so Jesus is saying, Peter, do you still love me? 
Jesus set him free because he hung around. Yeah, I'm going to go back to fishing, but I'm not leaving the faith. I'm just going to go hang around with John and hang out with James. And I know everybody think what thinks of me, but I'm not backsliding. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going back to the tavern. I'm not going back to being a cussing sailor and a cussing fisherman. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with the brethren. And, and that's exactly what he did. And when Jesus was on the shore, he came to deliver Peter and give him fresh direction. Let's lift our hands. I'm almost done. God sent me here tonight to preach this message. As long as you've got stuff going on in secret, the devil's right there. Well, Pastor, I just don't have the strength. I just don't, I don't know if I can do this. You have to do it. You have to do what every single person that's ever lived for God has done. They've got to come to a place of repentance and say, God, I'm sinning against you. you'll get the strength. If you're worried about your reputation, you'll never get to that place of repentance. If the devil's convinced you, people are mocking and sneering and looking at you. The devil, when he gets, when he's able to plumb his stuff into your brain, you can walk into a room. The devil's going to tell you everybody in this building's against you. Because it's only you and the devil know what you've been doing. And God's saying if they would just give you permission, if you just invite me in, if you just talk to me, if you just give me a chance, I'll make you clean. I'll give the victory. We'll turn the page together. I'll bury it in the sea of forgetfulness and give you fresh direction. to open up the door and say, Jesus, I know you're there. You're always there. And I'm going a step forward. I'm going to let you in. Jesus saw exactly, put that scripture back up, please. Revelations 3, and I believe it's 20. Jesus already read there. You're not rich, you're poor. You're blind. You're naked, which is a type of shame. Nakedness in the Bible is a type of shame. You're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. But you got money, Laodicea. You got enough food, you got enough toys, you got enough games. You don't have to face it. But not if you're used to being right and walking with him and loving him. And wanting to please him, you know, i got to fix some stuff in here. Jesus said, let me in. Let me in, Peter. We'll get it all fixed. We'll give you fresh direction. And you can be an overcomer just like all the other people in all the other six churches of Asia Minor. Let's stand.
power of permission. Every thought. This is a type of Christianity that is completely foreign to the denominational, non-denominational, and ecumenical world. Every single thought counts. Every single word that comes out of your mouth that is an expression of what's in here, it counts. Every action counts. You can get into the trenches. I've been in the trenches with the enemy. Listen, I'm, listen, I'm not up here like some model of Pentecostal perfection. I need the blood. I need the word. I need God. You're not just going to walk into a city and have all just like you. I need God. But I got to be honest. I got to be transparent with him. I've gotten into the trenches with the enemy. I'm telling you, where it was second by second. And I knew it. I knew that I was in what Ephesians chapter 6 describes and calls the evil day. It will visit each and every one of us. It will be a season like no other. Where every single minute, I'm not going to mess up. I'm not deviating. I'm going to get this right. Let's lift our hands. I'm done preaching. I have delivered exactly what God has given me to deliver. But there's some people here tonight. You're greatly loved. You're greatly loved. But the enemy is trying to do a number on you. Come on, let's really pray. Well, they got away with it. They're out sinning. Don't you think for one minute that when they lay their head down on a pillow that it's sweet dreams and peace and don't you, don't you buy into that absolute demonic lullaby of thinking that out there and enjoying sin, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's people, I am telling you in the Holy Ghost, there's people that want to come back, but they don't know how to come back. I'm telling you, I am pulling for those people. I'm pulling them against the lies of the devil that has hoodwinked them into thinking that this church won't take them and this church won't love them. Those are lies, but since he, he took them out, now he won't let him come back. Let's do something before we're dismissed. I want everybody to come just stand around this altar. We're going to pray. And then you can be dismissed tonight. The true effect of service like this is not always in the immediate response. There's somebody that's going to take this message home with them tonight and saying, God, you were talking to me tonight, and I know you were talking to me tonight. And I'm thanking you for talking to me tonight. Come on, let's come right on up. Come right up. Come as close as you can so those behind you can, can get in here. Let's just lift our hands and pray. Father, I love you. You see everything. You know everything. Come on. 
Come on, don't, 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 don't stay back. Come on up here. Everybody. Come on, this, this is for everybody. Come on, let's lift our voice for a few moments and let's really pray. I love you, Jesus. God, I pray that you'll strengthen the weak and forgive the guilty and wash the filthy and heal the wounded. Come on, let's lift our voice. Let's reach a pitch here tonight. God is in this house. God is in this message. God is in this service. God, restore the years that the palmer worm and the canker worm has eaten because of our own disobedience and whatever. Whatever. Now lay your hand over on the shoulder of somebody. Let's pray. Let's pray one for another by the authority of the name of Jesus. By the authority of the name of Jesus. God, I pray. I, I, God, I don't know what you know. You can see right into every man's life. You see their hearts. You see their motive. You see their deepest desires and fantasies. Jesus! God, put strength where there's weakness, healing where there's woundedness, cleansing where there's filthiness, desire where there's total and abject complacency. Come on, let's, a few more minutes. There's people that are really wanting to pray right now, but you don't want to stick out. What are people going to think? We all need this. We all need this. We all need this. God, be with this group of people. God, leave this place with these people. Some of these precious people are going back to environments that are godless. Protect him in that in the midst of that. By the authority of the name of Jesus. God, cleanse us of a grudging, resentful, unforgiving spirit. God, I give you permission to have your way in my life in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. God, I want you more than I want my next breath. Do whatever it takes to make that a reality. I give you permission.
you can forgive, I'm, I'm speaking directly to somebody. If you'll forgive, God will heal you. You're going to have to peel each finger off all of those excuses. Why you've got a right to be resentful. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll forgive from the heart, you'll get your healing. Let's love him one more time. Somebody. The power of permission. We're granting it every day, every week, every month, every year. We're granting permission to some spiritual entity. In Jesus' name. Well, I'm kind of feeling like Elijah right now. I might just go hide in a cave after all that. If I ever felt the will of God, I sure feel the will of God tonight. Not one person that I'm willing to lose to the world and to the devil and to your flesh without one big, huge fight. There's probably some of you, the devil's convinced you. Well, that pastor probably thinks we'd be better off without him. That is a lie from the pit. See, that means he's got to, if he can influence you at that level, that means somewhere. You've, you've given him access. You've given him permission to where he can, he can speak to you. Amazing group of people right here. This group of people is known all over this nation. You might be nameless and faceless to them, but it's because of you that this is here and this is happening and things things are moving. And this is why you're such a target. Some of you, I could, I could call your name. You think you're just going to do a little thing? The devil's going to try to get some aspect of your flesh and capitalize on it. And then he's going he's gonna to try to build on that. Because he's playing the long game. Got all eternity. Okay, I promise one last time. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. I promise. I will not deceive you, but let's really praise Him. You got to really praise Him. All He wants is permission, Brother Sergeant. All you got to say is, God, come in, I need you. He won't delay. He won't play games. He is tired of watching the devil manipulate you. He's saying, you dirty, good-for-nothing spirit, that's my child. Somebody shout just for good measure. 
Somebody lift your voice just because you can. The devil thought he had you. But God says, we're going to fool him again. You belong to me and you know you belong to me. what the whole book of Job is all about. Is the devil was trying to convince God, he's going to do this, he's going to do this. He's gonna. Job did not do one thing that the devil said that he was going to do. You want to know why? He had no access to his life. There was nothing in his life. Like Jesus, there's nothing in me. The prince of this world cometh and has nothing in me. I've already got the victory over that. I've got blood on it. One more, t- I'm just kidding. Shake hands, be friendly. God bless you in Jesus' name. Give God the permission.